Amen, amen. You guys can grab a seat. Man, I'm down on the floor. This is nice. And uh, it's so good. I appreciate and so thankful for our team and uh, their flexibility and your flexibility in sort of this uh, sort of crazy season. Some stuff's getting done around our church. And I uh, just want to I welcome you in here this morning, and uh, just welcome to Christ Church. My name's uh, Brian Beemans. I'm the lead pastor here, and we got a new series starting today, um, and the title of the series is called Sharing Christmas, and uh, what we're going to do over the next five weeks is uh, both showcase for you and a process together about what does it look like to share our faith with the world, and uh, what are the key components of that, and Um, I want so badly, and it's a constant prayer on my heart for myself and for our church, is is that we would be able to grow in confidence and boldness and clarity about what it means to really share our faith. And because I want people in our lives and in our area, I want them Uh, to hear the gospel from our lives. I want them to hear the truths that we uh, know to be true that so many of us have uh, have captured and received by faith. And it's just an awesome opportunity to process through this as a church. And we're going to walk through it with uh, more care and uh, more time than we ever have in the history of our church. And and just really uh, thankful for this series and the way God's uh, led us to it and the time of this and the season and all of it. And so uh, before we jump into this series this morning, why don't you guys just pray with me? Um, God, we've got your word open now and we are so deeply thankful for it. And uh, I'm asking that through this message that there would be a, a clarity, that there would be a courage, a confidence, a... Um, even, even uh, some people laid on the hearts of the people that are here this morning or joining us online. Maybe even, God, there's someone here this morning who uh, needs to hear the truth of the gospel. Maybe separated from all of the religious baggage, maybe separated from form and function and tradition, but just to hear the gospel clearly and the call of it to our lives. So would you lead us this morning? And I just thank you for it and this opportunity with your people. Let your word be illuminated by your spirit and spirit of God, please convict us as we move through it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I want you to know at the front end, um, this uh, starting this series, When I Am, has caused a bit of a personal crisis for me, okay? I just want to clarify this. Um, for years, I have joked mm, semi-seriously about how we cannot let Christmas begin to roll out before Thanksgiving. And, and you know, there's no decorations at the Beamett house until after Thanksgiving, and we're even careful with Christmas music. It's a little bit of a thing. And now I'm starting a Christmas series before Thanksgiving. Okay, so I'd like to um, publicly confess my hypocrisy and to all of the people who are holding the line and defending Thanksgiving from Christmas, I am sorry, okay, I'm sorry. And I know I'm causing damage to our cause and to all of you who love to roll out Christmas in early October, yes, you have won this year, okay? So just pat yourself on the back. Um, This is kind of rough for me, uh, but um, jokes aside, here's what I know to be true. I still think the celebration of Christmas is fun to wait till after Thanksgiving, but sharing Christmas should never be confined to just a period of time. 
Christ entering the world on Christmas is the beginning of God revealing his final redemptive plan to the world. It is both miraculous and significant that this God had to come in the form that he came in Christmas so that on the cross he could rightly atone for all of our sins. It was critical. And this God who came in Christmas was the one who would then, through his death on the cross, offer forgiveness of forgiveness for our sins, your sins and my sins, so that we could stand before a holy God, so that we could sing the song that we just sang with any semblance of confidence. That message started to be revealed at Christmas, so that's a message that has no time period. This part of Christmas, the truth of what Jesus did in coming into our world, should never get taken down and packed into Rubbermaid bins. Celebrating Christmas is for a season, but sharing Christmas must never stop, never stop for the people of God. And so today what I want to do is, sort of as the beginning of this series, is I want to share a, a bit of an overview of what the Bible teaches about sharing your faith. And there's so many different perspectives on this, in, I'm sure in your church background, like in my church background, so many different philosophies and perspectives, but let's just go to the Word. Let's let the Word speak to us this morning and teach us on that, because I did a survey of a sharing Christ in the Bible as I was preparing for this message, and has what happens when you kind of survey scripture, what you start to see is there's some certain things that sort of rise to the surface. And there was one word that just sort of rose to the surface on this subject, and then the word is witness, witness. You're gonna wanna get that word down, that's a key word. At the center of evangelism is a witness. A witness who testifies to an individual, to a family, to a small group, to a larger group of people, there's a witness. A witness, that witness that's testifying. And if we want to understand how to share Christ more effectively, this is the word, witness. There's many different places in God's Word I could go to study this subject. <clears throat> so many different passages. But get your Bibles open to Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 44. This is the end of Luke's account of the life of Jesus and the gospel. And here we have an encouragement right before Jesus has already died, he's resurrected, he's talking to the disciples, giving him his final words before he would ascend into heaven. And, and in verse 44 he says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Luke 24, 44. Then 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Just a miracle work of God. I believe God could do that even now in our hearts through the work of God's spirit, just illuminating God's word to us. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. There it is. You can underline the word. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. <clears throat> Here it is. The big idea. Gospel witnesses Look for opportunities to communicate the gospel dependent on the power of the Spirit. If you want to capture 
uh, the idea of biblical witness, it is that there's a gospel witness looking for opportunities to communicate the gospel dependent on the power of the Spirit. All of this, very important, all of this right here in this text. There's three components to being a gospel witness that we're going to walk through today. There is a message, there is a method, and there is a manner. Message, method, manner. The first one, the message of the witness is Jesus. That's the message of a witness. Starting in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, Jesus testifies that the heart of that message was pointing forward to what Christ would fulfill. And then Jesus empowers them to understand the scriptures because the message of the gospel is found in the word of God. It needs to be confirmed there and seen there and known there. And so Jesus highlights the specific, the, the key specifics of the gospel. Notice that it's right here. The essential pieces of the gospel that are important for people to understand this good news is Jesus' death, his resurrection, and the salvation that's offered. So let's process through those and make sure we have clear understanding. First, his suffering and death fulfills all of those Old Testament prophecies looking forward to the Messiah or to the Christ. Then, his death crucial because this God who was born both fully human and fully divine, what we celebrate and reflect on in Christmas, had to be the nature of God so that he could be one, the perfect sacrifice, fully divine, and so that in being fully human, he could represent you and me. Both of those come together on the cross and in his death, and that was the only way that the wrath of God could be satisfied for your sin and my sin. Sacrifice for our sin required Christ's complete and total death. It's a key part of the message. Our sin required death. God, God to be just and righteous and perfect required justice to be served for our sin. So Christ had to die so that he could offer forgiveness. Then in his resurrection, what he declares is, hey, 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 victory over sin and death. Victory over sin and death. That's why there's such a right reflection on Good Friday and such a celebration on Easter. And then the last statement shows how we access the gospel. How we receive the forgiveness given on the cross. How we live, can live in the victory of the resurrection. How we receive the blessings of salvation. It's critical for us to understand. Listen, eternal security, clear understanding of what is salvation is dependent on understanding this correctly. So just look in the text. Look at verse 47. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. There's two decisive moves that a witness testifies to. It's an evidence that salvation has come upon the human heart. It's these two critical words, repent and believe. Repent and believe. 
if you want to get an understanding of, of how someone has received the message that is, that points to, that is about Jesus, there needs to be a declaration or a testifying of repentance and belief. And even in our definition that we've used for biblical repentance in our church sort of cooks both of those together. Look at this. We've used this before. Biblical repentance is a decisive move to abandon sinful ways, live obediently to Christ in his ways. There's, there's the idea of believe. Live obediently to Christ in his ways. I'm giving everything that he is now my full authority and have remorse over past behavior and inclinations. Three parts, abandon, obedience, and remorse. See, repentance means that I've turned from something, but the gospel doesn't just call us to turn from things, it, call, it calls us to rush after new things. And that new thing is not a new thing, it is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And this repent and believe, for it to be a, a known and significant and a reality in our lives, it happens in a moment, happens in a moment. There can be a moment in your life when you're like, I'm turning from my old life and I'm laying myself upon everything that Jesus Christ is. I'm following him, I'm giving my heart to him, every part of it. I'm fully falling upon Jesus for the authority for all of my life. Repent and believe starts in a moment, but it never ends for the true follower of Christ. And an evidence of salvation, is it really is, are you repenting and believing? Is that current in your life? Is it playing out regularly in the nature of the way that you live? The message of the witness is Jesus. Repent and believe in Jesus. So, um, this, this reality gets so confused in the church today, and tragically so. Let me just illustrate. Uh, first, some people kind of have this idea that salvation's like this transaction, right? Like, like, I, Jesus offered me something, and there was a moment in the past when there was a transaction, and so when people think about it as a transaction, they're like, yeah, I did the deal. They always kind of look to the past. There, there isn't often in that when it's just transactional, there's not a present reality to that. Because you don't, you don't the, the idea of salvation doesn't work as a transaction because you don't, you don't like buy something, exchange something from God in the past and then, and then have to continually do that. There's a reality that it's a it, this idea of a transaction, we don't evaluate it like a product and then make a decision about it. When the Spirit of God reveals the truth of who Jesus Christ is to your heart, when the glory of Christ in all of his majesty, when the, when the praise and glory comes to Jesus because of what he did on the cross for you, grace opens your eyes and it moves your heart and your hands just naturally let go of this life and turn to follow Jesus and offer everything to him. A transaction is too cheap of an idea. It's not a past decision. It's not only a past decision because following Christ, this idea of salvation, this message, it must become a part of my way. The evidence is in the perseverance. Repent and believe. It's not a contractual negotiation between equals. It's not like, well, you know, Jesus, I kind of like what you have to offer. 
I think I might, you know, you give me that, I'll give you this, and we just are gonna negotiate on, you know what, I'll give you part, but not all. This is like a negotiation. That's not what salvation is. It is a yielding, a submission of my life to a superior who, who has brought me to my knees with appreciation and thankfulness. Repent and believe. We don't even really invite Jesus into our heart. It's not like, hey, 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 um, Jesus, I got a good thing going in my life. And I was just thinking, you know, I might invite you in. He invites, we respond. He opens our eyes. We submit under his invitation. You don't invite, you see Jesus and you give your whole heart to him. Repent and believe. This idea of salvation is not, not some eternal insurance policy either. But it's a following of Christ that is the nature now of my life. Salvation does not begin in eternity, it begins now. The kingdom of God begins to infiltrate my very life, every part of it. It's also this idea of believe, it's not mental assent. Okay, it's not just saying words. It's not like, oh man, if I can get like the, if I say the magical like salvation prayer right, that's when I get, that's when I'm saved. No, you come to faith in Jesus Christ when you repent and believe. And in the nature of following Christ from that point on, it's repent and believe. If I was to talk about yesterday in my life, I'd be like, there was some repenting and some believing. If I was to talk to you about Friday, some repenting and believing, and Thursday, repenting and believing. That has been the two words over my life since I first repented and believed. We decl it's declared in a moment, but it's lived over a lifetime. And this is the message. This is the message that we're calling people to. Repent and believe in Christ. What Christ has done to lay out his plan for redemption. It's fulfilled in Christ's coming, in his death, and, it's, and his victory is declared in the resurrection. Repent and believe in Christ. And so I just want to make sure, church, that we have that message clear what we're calling people to is repent and believe. And the way to start really simply, regardless of what your background has been or what you've been taught on that, the, the, the best way to start your proclamation or your sharing of your faith is to uh, live that out right now in your own life. Is this the foundation of your salvation? Is this the foundation of your salvation? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. If it is working itself out in your life, it will work its way out to the world very naturally. Because there will be a nature of your life and an appreciation for the glory and the goodness of God transforming your life that you will want to tell everyone about. So the first place that we wanna get to is that the message is being manifested in our lives. Repent and believe in Christ. The message of the witness is Jesus. Second, the method of a witness is testify. One of the essential qualities of a witness is to testify. You, you can't be a witness without communication. You can't be a witness without communication. The, the word as it is used right here in Luke when he says you are witnesses of these things, this is, the, this is the definition there. Someone 
who sees an event or experiences an event and reports what happened. And we, we know that, right? We understand this idea of witness requires communication. It's seeing and reporting. It's not reporting what someone else has seen. Okay, just, just be really clear there. Our, our, our testifying has to be something that we have seen personally. Personally. Our witness has to have a nature that when people see it, when they hear it, that, there's a, that we have a personal connection to what we've seen. And I think sometimes we love to testify about things that we haven't really seen. We want to have firsthand knowledge and engagement with Jesus. That's the only way that you can be a witness. That's the only way that you can testify as a witness. And when you have seen the good news of the gospel, church, there is a compulsion that begins to rise up. There's a desire and a heart to testify, to let people know about this message, to give it words and to speak it out. Witnesses speak with words about what they have found to be true about Jesus. And any authentic witness is gonna be able to talk regularly and actively about how they've repented, about how they're abandoning sinful ways and believing in Christ as the authority over their life. See, I think sometimes in our testifying, we believe that, oh man, I don't wanna share like how I'm still struggling with sin. And then what do we communicate if we never have that sort of nature around our witness? People need to know that what Jesus redeems you from is coming right down into the midst of your sin and your brokenness and bringing this move of transformation. That there is always this flow of me dealing with my own sin and then me turning and letting that go and believing in Christ for a better way to walk, a better way to think, a better way to speak. And so we want to be authentic with it. In our testimony, it should be rooted in truth but embodied in life rooted in truth and embodied in life. See, being called as a witness is a big deal in a court case. Like, if you're a witness in a court case, you get this official subpoena, and the subpoena is just a, a summons for you to testify. It's like, hey, um, we have determined that you have um, some uh, a witness of uh, whatever happened in this crime, and now we're asking you to come and testify. We're, we're, we're summoning you to testify. And it is a legal obligation. If you refuse to testify, it's a crime. You could be held in contempt of court, punishable by a fine or jail time. It's serious, this idea of witnessing. If you think that's just in U.S. law, it's also in Old Testament law. You can, you can be called to testify if you're a witness. Leviticus 5.1 gives the, a degree of this. It says there in Leviticus, if anyone sins in that he hears a public adjuration to testify, that's a summons, and though he is a witness, whether he has seen or come to know the matter, yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. Like in Jewish tradition, if you failed to testify, in Jewish, according to Jewish tradition, first, you would be separated, like, like literally people would have nothing to do with you for 30 days, you wouldn't be allowed in public worship, and then if you still refused to testify, you would have been flogged. Yeesh. Thankful for the grace on this side of the, of the gospel. But, but, but even, though, even though the reality of that punishment might not be the same in the context of the church community, 
I believe the intention of the law still remains. If you're a witness, you should testify. I believe the heart of the law is still applicable. Witnesses are only witnesses if they testify. That's what you see here. And if you have been a witness of the message of Christ in your own life, then you need to testify. If you have seen your need for Christ, if you have walked through seasons of keeping with repentance and believing in Jesus Christ has Lord over your whole life, then you're called to testify. You're called to testify. And if we want to grow in our ability to testify, I want to encourage you to do two things. First, examine your testimony. Examine your testimony. In, in a court case, what they would do is, if you were going to testify, they would actually work through a process of, of you processing through how you're going to communicate your testimony. There's people in the legal world that get paid just to prepare witnesses. And that's ultimately what we're doing right now in this time together in God's word, to prepare us to be witnesses. First, is your testimony consistent with the message? Was there a moment in your life when regardless of what your background was or when you made the decision, sometimes that can be so cloudy for people. It's not as clear for, for some as it is for others. But, but is there a moment in your life when the trajectory of your life became repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe? That's the moment that people oftentimes look to when they're like, yeah, I was just kind of like around church. But then there was this moment where I turned. And that moment is a repentance moment. And then for the rest of my life, I've been believing on Christ and repenting and believing. Are you persevering there? To be a witness, you have to testify about something you have seen in your own life or you're not a witness. God, God can still use you and God does in God's word. He, we see many places where he uses people who have no experience with Jesus. And God in his supernatural ways can use just the words of someone who has, knows nothing of relationship with Christ to turn someone to faith. I believe our God is that miraculous and awesome and you see it in scripture. But a true witness, like we want to be before our God, both sees Christ at work and reports on what he has done. All you need to testify to the lost world is just a testimony to be a witness. We've used this line in our church, this simple sentence, I was, but God, so now. There it is. You can, you can fill in the blanks. Whatever's going on in your life right now. The point in time when, when you turned, it is, I was walking this direction apart from what God would want for my life, but God intersected my life in this way, and now I'm walking this direction. That sentence again and again to our world is a way to witness about the gospel, to share our faith, to share Christmas. To be a true witness, you need to be talking about something you are actually seeing in your own life. Second, what we need to do is just be faithful to testify. Just faithful. Don't, don't ask, I, I don't think it's, it's even when you understand God's word and God's call on us to share our faith, God's uh, desire for us to be ambassadors to the world, for us to be his witnesses. I, I think the prayer over our lives should not be, mm, should I or should I not? 
The prayer should be, God, help me to be faithful. Help me to be faithful. I love to hear the sweet testimonies of um, opportunities that God gives you and me in our lives to testify to the gospel. To, to talk to people about, hey, I was one time walking the same direction that you're going, but God intersected my life. And, and in the gospel, I found great freedom and joy and love, and now God is doing some awesome things in my life. And I just, I just wanna testify as a witness. I'm not concerned about which way the hearer is gonna go. The witness is just responsible for testifying. Don't overthink this. Just start with your testimony. Start with what you have to share. Right now in the rawness of your life and the work of God that so many, so oftentimes is not clean, it's messy and we're working through things all the time this side of heaven. We're working through our own fears and anxieties. Let's not overthink our witness. Let's just get in the stand with someone or with a group of people and just start with our testimony. You don't need to be able to answer everyone's hard question, okay? Like, like I don't have in my mind enough brain power to be able to, be able to recall in a moment anyone's question when I'm out sharing Christ or talking to people about the gospel. So often I do what I would encourage you to do. I'm not sure. Well, I know what I know to be true, but I'll go try to find out an answer for that question that you have. Don't be worried about that. Don't concern yourself with people's responses. And, and, and don't, don't believe that, um, please don't compare yourself to the person who, um, I know even in our church, I could point out some people who have a gift of evangelism. They have a gift. Don't compare yourself to that person. It's in the same way, people who have a gift of service just seem to have a motor to serve all the time. And if you get around somebody who has a gift of service, you're just like, I'm so lame. I'm so tired. I'm worn out after one thing. You get around somebody who has a gift of leadership, you're just like, man, they seem to just get people to follow them, and I tell people the same thing, and people are like, Meh, I don't really want to do that. It's the same thing with evangelism. There's people that have a unique gift. Don't compare yourself to that person. What we're called to do is just be witnesses. We're called to be witnesses. We're called just to share our testimony and our life of repentance and belief with people. Let it be authentic. This is your calling. But, but church, let me just be clear this morning. We have to testify with words, with words. And, and it doesn't have to be many. It doesn't have to be many. Let's, let's allow there to be in this an encouragement. The method of a witness is to testify. This is our calling. And then finally this, the manner of a witness is empowered. The manner of a witness is empowered by the Spirit of God. Do you see in this passage what Jesus says at the very end? He says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Like, I, I don't believe that when I stand in 
uh, the pulpit and, and, and communicate God's word, I don't believe that anything can happen apart from it, the word of God being empowered by the spirit of God to bring conviction on your hearts. I don't. It gives me a deep desperation on God when I stand and communicate God's word at any point. In the same way, God here is like, verse 48, you are, my, you are witnesses of these things, but, but, but hold on. Just, just hold on. There's a power coming. There's a power coming. And so, so don't, don't rush out. Don't rush out. Look what he says. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't go without the Spirit deposited within your hearts. Now here's the good news. If you have repented and believed, if, if your faith is in Christ, if you've repented and believed in Christ, if that is the trajectory of your life, then you have been filled with the Spirit. It has been deposited into your heart, and you through that are clothed in power. That should cause you to just kind of, it's okay. You let your chest swell a little bit. Like, my God has filled me with His Spirit. I'm clothed in power. And the manner of a witness is marked by being empowered. Consider with me. The manner of a witness is marked by the fruits of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, first, is the character of my witness. Like, do, you, do, you, do you realize that in, in Galatians, when it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, this love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that that is a miraculous work of God in your life. And, and, and that's why Peter says that in regards to the defense of the gospel, he says, but make sure that your defense of the gospel, your, your sharing of your faith, your communicating the hope of the gospel to the world, make sure that you do it with gentleness and respect. Because he's like, there's gotta be a character to it. It's, it's gotta come from a, from a gospel heart to love, not just a heart to be right or to win or to see someone converted as if my persuasiveness could turn the human heart. No, it's just the character of my witness is the fruits of the Spirit. And so I want people to see that character in my life and in my testimony. And that, that, that causes the, the, the witness to be that more authentic then uh, the power of the Spirit is the strength of my witness. And I know that when you are clothed in the power of the Spirit, and I would say for those of us who have uh, 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 put our faith in Christ, who have uh, repented and believed, that there is an aspect that um, we need to access the Spirit, we need to acknowledge the Spirit in our hearts and lives. And when that happens, and when that is the foundation of my power, there is a strength that comes from walking in the Spirit. So you've got the character thing, then you've got the strength of my witness. When you're walking in the Spirit, when the full reality of repenting and believing is present and current in your life, it gives your witness an authenticity, right? It gives it an authenticity. It, it, it oftentimes even leads to a courage and a zeal to witness. If you imagine a witness sort of... Um, a, a lacking authenticity, they're like, um, well, yeah, I, 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 I kind of know about this, this 
person, Jesus. I'm not really sure about him, but like, like I, I, and there's like this, there's a, there's, it lacks warmth. It doesn't have a, a, a real present sense to it. And if someone seems unsure or weak or scattered, not in the communication, but in the reality of the way the gospel has fallen upon their lives, that is not as compelling as the person who's like, I know that I know that I know that Jesus is my Lord. And I am walking in the Spirit, and there are fruits of the Spirit that God's bringing to life in my heart. And that I just, I love Jesus, and I just want you to hear about him. There's a warmth and an authenticity. You could be scattered with your words, but there's still a warmth and a genuineness to it. And that comes from the power of the Spirit, the strength of my witness. Then finally this, it's the work of the Spirit is the um, impact of my witness. The impact on your witness, listen to this church, please hear this as we wanna go out and be faithful in sharing our, our faith and being witnesses. The impact of your witness, how someone responds, is not on you. You don't, whether they respond or not, is not on you. Yes, I think it's right for us to be like, I want to be more clear in my communication. I think we all can grow in that, right? Like, I want... Um, the reality of repentance and believing to be um, so clear in my life, God, and I'm wanting that, but the response is never on you. The strongest, clearest witness, the sort of witness that if you, if you gave your testimony would wow some Bible college professors, that level of clarity will have no impact on the human heart apart from the work of God's Spirit. That is absolutely required. Only God's grace is sufficient to bridge the gap between my witness and the perfect witness that only comes when the scales fall off of the eyes of the hearer of the gospel and and bridges the gap between my witness and the full revelation personally that a person has when they see Jesus for who he is. Every positive response to the gospel, both in justification, coming to faith in Christ, and sanctification, continuing to become more like Christ, is always a work of God's spirit. So just let that sort of just take the pressure off. Our only obligation is just to witness, to testify. Too often in sharing our faith, I'm gonna use a little illustration here. Um, Too often in sharing our faith, we put so much pressure on ourselves. I gotta say it right. And then we're like, I have so much pressure. And then, and then uh, uh, there's this irrational urgency. If I don't share it right now, someone could go to hell. And there's like this pressure that we put on ourselves. We, we, every response from the person is kind of overplayed. And we're like, just more pressure. And we get tied up in knots in sharing our faith because of this pressure that we put on ourselves. And we live with this like, I've got to do it right. I've got to do it perfect. And Jesus says to us, he says, wait on power from on high because what he wants the spirit to do here is he wants to just say, "Um, man, just trust me. And this pressure that we feel, the spirit of God in this passage wants to do this with it. And just release that pressure. And just trust God. 
And instead, when empowered by the fruits of the Spirit, just let God fill you with his truth. And, and, and just let him begin to fill you and really naturally and just invite God and asking him through repentance and believing that he would fill your life with an authentic fullness that comes. And the strength of your witness, let it just build in you. Just a natural courage. I'm really good at blowing up balloons. And as God fills you with his presence and his power, instead of getting all tied up in knots, I believe the right move when we understand sharing our faith and being a witness is just to allow God then in his timing and in every way for the truth of the gospel just to be released into the world in whatever way he wants and let God just lead you to whatever person he leads you to in whatever way and opportunity just to share your faith, to testify and just let it go. Well played. <laughs> And instead of having this force that we're feeling the pressure, just be filled up with this message of repent and believe. And now as opposed to our testimony sort of feeling this unnatural pressure, just pick it up again and be filled up with God again and release it again to the world, wherever God would lead in whatever way. And as opposed to feeling like it's on us and it's sort of breaking us, God's like, just release it to the world. Just release the message of the gospel to the world. See, we're not just celebrating Christmas this year. We're learning to share Christmas. And the manner of a witness is empowered Gospel witnesses look for opportunities to communicate the gospel dependent on the power of the Spirit. The message of the witness is Jesus. The method of the witness is testify. The manner of the witness is empowered. And so there's a card on the seat as you came in today. And I want to give you an opportunity as you leave today. I want you, before God's Spirit, with all of the realities and the fullness of what God's done in your life, first to assess your own testimony. Is it true that I have put my faith in Jesus Christ? Is it true that I've repented and believed? And then use that card as an easy way to start a conversation or lead to an invitation. You can see on the back of it, it's got the highlights of, of what um, word we're going to look at and learn together that's distinct to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is an opportunity for you to share and to start a conversation. Don't believe the lies that, that could keep you from sharing. Ask God to lead you to someone, to share your faith or just invite them to come here where every week we're going to be focused on a clear presentation of the gospel. Focusing on those words each week. It's a perfect season for them to hear. Ask God to lay one name on your heart. One name. One name. I would encourage you to share that name with a friend or somebody in your community group and lovingly challenge each other to share with that person. Maybe it's someone you see every week as you go in and buy gas or go to the grocery store. Maybe it's someone in your neighborhood that you see walking by your house all the time. Maybe it's somebody in your workplace who you work closely with. Pray and encourage one another to be a faithful gospel witness. 
Share that name. Share that name with someone to hold you accountable, to encourage you, to pray alongside you for a right opportunity. Gospel witnesses look for opportunities to communicate the gospel dependent on the power of the Spirit. Let's pray together. God, I'm asking right now that you would, um, that you would both clarify the message of the gospel. That at the center focus of all of our witness would be Jesus. Your love for us, your entering into our world, your death on the cross, your resurrection, your continual work in our lives through the power of the Spirit. And then, God, I pray that we would see that the method of a witness is to testify. Would you give us a courage, God, and a strength in that? And then, God, would the manner of our witness be empowered that we would see the fruits of the Spirit, that we'd see the strength of our witness, and that we would trust the impact of the witness to you. Father, I pray that your Spirit would break places where we're so tied in knots and feeling an unnatural pressure, and instead, God, that we would just let go and let our testimony and the truth of this message just be released to the world. Lead us wherever you would want us to go. This week, God, I'm asking for some supernatural opportunities and supernatural spirit-led appointments with people, an open door for the gospel, a conversation that we didn't expect, God. In my life and in each person's life, would you do it? And God, we're not concerned with the outcome, we're concerned with our faithfulness, and so we align our hearts together and ask that you would do it. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. While we stand up and sing.